Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. I have Jessica from the Board of Culture Reframed back on today's episode. If you did not hear her last week, please join us there first so you can get her bio and learn about her and then meet us back here. Before we get to Jessica, just a personal note. I am struggling like many of you through this coronavirus crisis. We had hurricane force winds um, in my neck of the woods recently. I live in the West, so our air is full of smoke and um, it's just a really hard time right now. My children are not in school because of the coronavirus restrictions. Um, well, they're in part-time, but not five days a week. So anyway, it's a really hard time. And I really appreciate the reviews that you have sent, that where you've talked about how appreciative you are, comments that you've put on the website, comments on our social media. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, both under Betrayal Trauma Recovery. And I, I don't know, I just really appreciate the support. And I'm 100% sure that you need support right now too. And I I will just continue podcasting in order to support you, but know that my thoughts and prayers are with you and with me and all of us. Like most of us are just in these really difficult situations compounded by more difficult situations. And it's, um, it's hard. One five-star review on Apple podcast says BTR calls the behavior we've seen from our addict partners for what it is abusive. A friend told me about BTR and I listened to a podcast. It's hard for me to hear at first and still is at times, but I'm grateful for the education and support these great women are offering. For anyone going through this very difficult process, I would recommend this podcast. So thank you. If you haven't already, will you please go to Apple Podcasts or your other podcasting apps and write a review? Every single review means so much to me. Also, it helps isolated women find us. We also appreciate when women post about us on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, any other way, just word of mouth, because women are telling us that when they found us, it made all the difference. So we really appreciate you helping us spread the word so that women can get to safety more quickly. In Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, it's so nice to be around women who understand it. And when women join, they get unlimited life support online both from our coaches, but also through this amazing community of women. So to check out our daily session schedule, go to btr.org and you'll see we have multiple sessions a day in every single time zone. And we hope to see you in a session today. All right, now we're going to continue with the conversation with Jessica Skybar. I want to ask you something. So in my culture where I live and who I would date, no one has ever set me up with, nor is anyone who is agnostic asking me out. I would go, but I'm just saying nobody is. So all the people that I am in contact with are quite religious. From my point of view, if I talk to them, they're always going to say, of course not. Always. I'm never going to get the response like, oh, I do use porn. And you know, I'm never going to get the response. I might get it. I use it in the past, but now I know it's bad and I don't anymore. But I'm like, I don't believe any of you guys. For you, where you're dating people who may not be religious or you're introduced to people like that, or maybe you're not, I'm not sure. When you bring this up and they they are porn users, for example, or they, they're like, oh, well, I'd, that's not how I am. So how do they react to you? Does it go well? Does it go weird? Can you talk about maybe some personal examples you have? Yeah, that is such a great question because most of the people I have dated have been and not religious. And so it's been really difficult because I almost think it's more difficult because you are dealing with a culture and a population that has conflated sexual liberation with 
anything goes kind of thing, boundarylessness. And I would say 99.9% .9 of the time when I talk about my stance on pornography and the sex industry in general, that most non-religious people are taken aback. They want to know why. Like, what is the problem? What's the deal? Isn't it about choice and personal empowerment? And if a woman decides, they usually try to flip the script to this whole choice argument. Like, if you're really a feminist or you really care about women, you're going to let them do what they want. And we talked about, your listeners can go back to the other podcast I did with you about this topic. So are they arguing with you on that point? Or are they like, okay, but I respect your... And if I'm going to be in a relationship with you, I will stop using porn. Or do they try to sort of talk you out of your boundaries? So in my dating history, the person says he's on board with respecting the boundary. So that's first and foremost. Like, yeah, okay, I can do that. with I'm on board with respecting that boundary. I don't need to look at porn. Okay, great. However, there is a lot of historically, a lot of arguing about the topic. So my boundary in the relationship is set because I'm really, I'm really black and white about it. It's like, it's a deal breaker for me. And so when I have that conversation about, hey, we're going further in the relationship. I want to be committed. Let's be monogamous. What are your deal breakers? What are your non-negotiables? And we have that conversation and he shares with me and I share with him what those are. And they could be the same or they could be different, depending. There's usually some sort of philosophical debate or argument because culturally he's coming from a perspective of, and there's also a lot of projections. He's coming from the perspective of if you're anti-porn and you're that black and white about that issue, you must be religious. You must be conservative. You must be this. You must, there's like all this stuff tied to it. And then there's this whole thing about prudishness and sexual repression. And there's this idea from a lot of non-religious people that if you take a firm stance about this topic, then you must be coming from a pious or religious or moralistic um, perspective. So you have that philosophical argument, but how does it go in the actual relationship? Does it end up falling apart because he doesn't believe you or because he's lying or what happens next? There does end up being a lot of explanation and a lot of what I would call psychoeducation. I've had to psychoeducate every man I've ever known or been close to or been with romantically about sexual objectification of women, pornography, what it does to relationships, what it does to a person's sexuality, their brain. There's so much depth to this. And honestly, I don't mind having the conversation if the tone of the conversation is one of inquiry and listening and learning and wanting to be a better person. But if it's a debate, I usually shut that down. I'm like, you know, I'll say my piece and then I'll just be like, I'm not interested in debating this with you. I happen to have a lot of expertise in this area. I have the data. With the debate guys, do you end up having sex with them? I have ended up having sex with after the debates have gone away. So after you've said, hey, I'm not debating with you anymore. Okay, let's have sex. Well, not that quick. But it's almost like coming from different worldviews, right? So I'm coming at it with this really kind of firm, I have all this information. I understand. What I'm looking for is what's the end result? The end result is that I end up with somebody who's on board with learning about it. I hate to use this word, but converting. Basically, if somebody's going to listen to what I have to say about porn with an open mind and an open heart and trust me, they're not going to think porn's okay anymore. 
Like, it's just not, you can't like, and, and if they did, it wouldn't work out. Like they wouldn't want to be with me and I wouldn't want to be with them. So once that has been put out there and I really try to do it in a way that's like educational because the truth of the matter is this is the culture we live in. Most men have absolutely no idea. I'm going to take a little break here to plug the book Trauma Mama Husband Drama. It's a wonderful way to share what you know about how pornography is abusive and the lying and the deceiving around it and the sexual coercion with someone that you care about. Um, maybe someone that you're dating or maybe, you know, family members or people who just really don't understand this issue. You can find it on our books page, btr.org backslash books, or you can go directly to Amazon, just search trauma mama husband drama there. I appreciate all the reviews there. Your reviews really help bump up that book in the Amazon algorithm. And if even if people don't buy the book, when they find the book, they can read the description on Amazon, which helps them find us and the podcast, which is free to everyone. So we really appreciate that. Um, so when you buy the book, please also make sure to do a verified review and help us to get the word out. So you have been dating the same person for four years and he has been converted to this. Yes, absolutely. And actually he's not only been converted, but in the beginning, he, even though it was foreign to him because of the world he grew up in, the culture he grew up in, and he wasn't a big porn user anyway. So, and I could tell that like right away. So he wasn't coming at it from I'm defending my behavior and I need to protect my porn use at all. He was coming at it from more of this, well, shouldn't people be free to do what they want to do and what feels good to them, right? That's where he was coming at it from. And he was also coming at it from an open-minded place. If anybody's going to fall for me and my belief system, they have to be kind of, I mean, I'm very counterculture on this topic, as you know, and I know you are too. For somebody to stick around with someone who has this counterculture perspective says a lot about them as a person anyway. He obviously had to get on board for it to work. Mm -hmm. That's why I think the whole religious situation is irking me. I'm so irked because I am very religious, which is fine. At this point, I'm like, I don't really care if the person I'm dating is religious or not. I am. And the reason I feel like that currently, I mean, maybe when it comes down to it, because I don't drink, for example, I don't watch rated R movies. So maybe when it came right down to it, like just the way my lifestyle is it just wouldn't work. You know, I don't know. But I would much rather have somebody who was like that than someone who purports to be like, no, of course, I don't like porn because everyone in our culture doesn't like it. And everyone in our culture is supposed to be monogamous and all of that. And then lies to me about it. That is like, the worst and that is happening throughout the religious culture like an exponential levels the lying and the manipulation and stuff and it is so bad and it is annoying not just bad and annoying it's sexual coercion it is abuse it is abuse and there's so much denial happening it's so subverted and underground that there's not real opportunity for healing in that. And so like, at least I think if you're talking to somebody who's non-religious, who is interested in exploring the topic to get to that place, but if you say and believe it's wrong and you're doing it anyway, where do you go from there? Where do you, yeah, right. I believe slavery is wrong, but I'm going to have a slave. Like, where do you go from there? Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, you're so right. People need to be having these conversations and also in the context of what we're talking about, which is partnership. Is it okay if I don't like a particular show because it's triggering for me, but my boyfriend wants to go watch that show? Let's talk about the manipulate your sexual template issue. Because I was talking with a friend yesterday and she said, you know what you don't explicitly ever say on the podcast? And I was like, what? What don't I explicitly say? And she said, you don't explicitly say that a lot of the abuse that the women are suffering in their homes, like the names they're being called or the way they're being treated, is actually what the men are viewing in the pornography. And the reason they don't know that that is, is because the women, the victims aren't watching porn. So if they had seen the porn and in the porn, he said, come over here, you saucy wench. Let's just say that. And they'd never heard that statement before, but they saw that in the porn. And then the next day he says to her, come over here, you saucy wench. And she's like, oh, that's where that line came from, right? But because she's not watching it, she doesn't know that these behaviors may have come from there. I think it's important to realize that, and this is just what you said, that what you are watching is altering your sexual template. It's altering what you are attracted to. And we've got that happening a lot where men are no longer attracted to their extremely attractive wives or girlfriends because their sexual template is being edited or altered by crazy depictions of women that are just not realistic. It's being altered by unrealistic depictions and as well as what goes along with that viewing of those unrealistic depictions. In other words, masturbation. So we've talked about that before too. The arousal and the orgasm that happens when they're viewing this takes it further. I mean, we're all conditioned. I have a cultural conditioning around what I think is attractive and unattractive for myself as a woman. I was conditioned to be hairless, you know, and wax my legs and blah, blah, blah. So we all have cultural conditioning around that. And we're always kind of comparing things to what we see in the media and all this. And the idea, obviously, is that relationally, when you meet somebody, is to go beyond the superficial and actually have true intimacy, which is beyond hairy legs or non-hairy legs or whatever. And that's the work all couples need to be doing is finding intimacy that goes beyond what the media has been feeding us. But with pornography... It takes it to the extreme, and I think this is why people like you and I don't think porn viewers really have a chance. You can't have it both ways. You can't be masturbating to these images, and now we're not just talking about unrealistic images. We're talking about violent, degrading, you know, hateful types of scenarios and images, and this chemical concoction that happens in, in the brain and what that does neurologically to the brain... There's no argument for a net benefit of pornography because you will always be doing something because of that orgasm piece and that arousal piece. You're up against a lot. You can undo it, but to undo it is much harder than, let's say, I had McDonald's five years ago and it's out of my system, right? Like, I don't have to worry about McDonald's anymore. But with porn, it takes more time to get that out of your system. And so you can't unsee things, right? We know this. And sometimes you, you, you don't ever get rid of it. So you manage it, you deal with it. And what you do is, what I believe in is you replace it. So let's say I'm a recovering porn addict and I'm literally in recovery and I want to now forge a healthy sexuality and healthy relationship with a man. What I have to do is I have to work at replacing my sexual template with a new, healthier version of sex. And that's going to involve a co-creation of intimacy with that other person, not some outside influence, not some image or some message or somebody else's version. 
that that's all white noise that is undermining all the other stuff we're trying to get at in, in a relationship it doesn't have to be porn it could be you're fantasizing about your neighbor you know it could be anything and so that masturbation piece is really really important because some people think well or some addicts will say well i didn't use porn you know i just masturbated it wasn't a connected sexual experience with his partner and people are like you guys are so prude because of this what you think masturbation is bad or whatever and i'm like well if you're a wife who's continually harmed by her husband's infidelity and when i say infidelity i mean he's taking his sexual energy elsewhere then masturbation is gonna hurt your feelings It is. Just for the record, I'm not anti-masturbation, but I am anti-masturbation in a relationship where there's two willing partners who, you know, are willing and wanting to have sex with each other. And one person's going off in private or in secret masturbating. There's a big why. There's a big question mark there that needs explored. And also within the context of these conversations that couples have talking about that. Is that okay with you? Is it not okay with you? When is it okay with you? It's okay. Is it okay if I'm present while the person's masturbating? Is it okay if they masturbate, but they're not using porn? Or let's say we're on a long distance trip. We're separated. I'm overseas for two months and we feel like we want to masturbate, not using any imagery or props. And it's just us. The other person's not there. These are conversations and they're not black and white because there's all these scenarios, right? And I've thought this through a lot in my head. What is comfortable for me? What's not comfortable for me? And then I express that to my partner. He expresses his what's comfortable for him. And sometimes it's not matched. I believe you want to have similar core values around sex. And we've talked about this before too, you and I. Sometimes people have just different values around sex. And a lot of people may decide I'm not going to be in... A relationship with somebody who gets off on pain. That's a different value system. I don't think pain and sex go together, blah, blah, blah. So you determine that. And then if you have enough of the same values around sex and other things, obviously, there are some nuances that could be worked through. I know that what triggers me sexually is not the same thing that triggers my boyfriend sexually. And it's about respect. I feel like a guy, if he doesn't have a problem, an addiction, if he's sexually healthy and sexually functional, he would happily give up watching certain TV shows. I just feel like it's not a big sacrifice to make your partner feel like you're the one and you're safe with me. I would rather have my partner say, I'm not okay with that and this isn't going to work, than yes, okay, I'll, I'll go along with this and then resent the hell out of me for it. Right. And I think that is actually the biggest problem right now. Because like with me, I said, this is what I want. I want this type of monogamous relationship. Masturbation is not okay with me. Like ever. That's my thing. Never. It's never okay. These are my boundaries. And he said, absolutely. And then didn't do any of it and lied to me. So that is the like scariest part of it. And that's where the abuse and the manipulation and the lying and the sexual coercion comes in. Because that was so abusive. It would have been fine with me if he would have been like, you know what? It wouldn't have been fine with me. But let's pretend like we get married and a month in, he's like, you know what? I thought I didn't want to do porn, but I actually do. And I've been doing it. And and so you said that was a boundaries. And I would have been like, oh, that stinks. But the thing was, then he acted like he wanted to change and, you know, all that stuff. And part of the problem is I don't think, at least in the religious community, I don't think men know themselves very well. 
I think they know that they're supposed to act a certain way. And so they act like that, but I don't think they've really come to grips with like, I don't actually act the way that I say. I don't act according to my values. I'm not doing the things that I'm supposed to do. And I need to be honest about that. They just kind of like go with the flow and say what they're supposed to say. And they're just not very self-actualized. And that's what's irking me. Like I said, it's irking me. I think you bring up a really good point about what I would call critical analysis. It's really important that people come to these values through a critical analysis versus just a doctrine or, or this is how you're supposed to be and this is wrong and this is, you know, right and wrong and all this. Even non-religious people obviously have a sense of morality and right and wrong and ethics and all of that. But the way I came to it, being a non-religious person, was through a lot of critical analysis. And so I would say that you you have every right to feel <laughs> annoyed and upset that you're seeing this kind of trend in this population and that maybe those men who are religious could go dig a little bit deeper to become self-actualized and understand the why. Come to it through a real critical lens. What that takes is a lot of free will. Like that takes a lot of like, okay, I, I know this is bad because my culture told me it's bad, but I wanna understand why it's bad for me. Well, and actually, instead of just trying to stop and failing and feeling bad about themselves, because that's what they do, instead of doing that, actually start being honest with yourself and with the people around you. Sure. Jessica is amazing. I love having her on. I also really appreciate her perspective because at Betrayal Trauma Recovery, we are interfaith, but we're also interparadigm. So people who have no faith or people of whatever paradigm are welcome here and so I always love having her on to have a different perspective so thank you we will have her on again just for an update about other issues so Jessica thank you so much for coming on today's episode thank you so much Anne it's just sometimes nice to have this support and having these really difficult conversations and thanks for having me If this podcast is helpful to you, please support it. Go to btr.org, scroll down to the bottom and click on support the podcast. If you are interested in coming on the podcast and sharing your story, women really benefit from sharing their experiences and talking about what this experience was like for them. So if you're interested in coming and sharing your story, please email my assistant Kari, K-A-R-I at btr.org. We'd love to have you on the podcast. And until next week, Stay safe out there.